We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we are producing this podcast from and pay our respects to the Kamrigal people of the Guringai Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge the traditional owners of the land you are listening from today. Here comes Imrani, bowls to Ellingworth, who goes down the pitch and carves this down the ground. It was the year 1992. On Wednesday, March 25th, the Melbourne Cricket Ground witnessed a historic moment. Pakistan became the new world champions of cricket. Rajar under it, he takes the catch. Pakistan have won the cup. And Imran Khan has taken a wicket to end the game. And what a proud man he must be. Australia was hosting the World Cup for the first time and one of the underdogs in the tournament, Pakistan, lifted the trophy beating all the odds. A victory that fascinates then Pakistani team members like Ijaz Ahmed till this moment. Uh, the situation was very difficult but nobody lost the hope. Around that time, another history was in the making. In a backyard in Sydney's Centennial Park, a six-year-old boy who had migrated from Pakistan was busy honing his batting skills. That boy would go on to wear the baggy green in a few years' time and be hailed as one of the most talented batters in Australian test cricket. And his name is Usman Khawaja. First ball to Usman Khawaja then. As Tremnet bowls to him and he plays and gets a run. He'll get a couple through the outside. I grew up in a very cricketing family, so for me it was always cricket, cricket, cricket. Over the next 3 decades, the colors of Australian cricket changed. to Colors of Cricket a podcast series from SBS that takes a closer look at interesting intriguing and inspiring stories of cricket relations between Australia and South Asia I am Preeti Jawal I am Kulasegram Sanjayan In this eight part podcast series we will tread back 150 years tracking some unsung pioneers of the game and telling their incredible stories and we talk to many legends of our times hi i'm sunil gavaskar hi i'm kapil dev hi i'm lisa stalaker we will look closely at grassroots of australian cricket discussing everything from opportunities and pathways to troublesome issues like racism this is perhaps the first podcast series that explores the deep rooted cricket connections between australia and the indian subcontinent no matter which south asian country we are from we live and breathe cricket cricket for me means culture i do like cricket i love it this is colors of cricket cricket is a religion in the subcontinent and if you look at the grassroots level cricket in australia the players from the subcontinent keep the game alive here figures from cricket australia show that of all registered club cricketers in australia 32% were either born overseas or had parents immigrate to australia and as per a report in 
Two of the three most popular surnames in Australian club cricket were Indian names. Singh was the most common surname and Patel came in third on the list. So, even with such religious passion and undisputable abundance of talent, why do we see so few South Asian players on the big stage? There were nearly 470 male players to play test cricket for Australia to date. But just four of them were born in a South Asian country. It's even less in women's cricket. Apart from Usman Khawaja and Lisa Staleka and some glimpses of players like Alana King and Gurinder Sandhu, we haven't seen many on the big stage. So what is hampering their chances of reaching the national team? Is it because they do not follow the pathways? Are there any cultural barriers? Or are there issues like discrimination, racism and affinity bias affecting them? This is what we are exploring in this first part of this podcast series. Why do the young cricketers from the South Asian background miss out on reaching the big stage and what are the future colors of Australian cricket? It took almost 20 years from Pakistan's World Cup victory for Usman Khawaja to make the Australian men's team in 2011. But in the women's team an Indian-born Australian player was already there as far back as 2003. Lisa Stalaka and today if you go to cricket field you can see dozens of young cricketers from the south asian communities who look up to Khawaja and Stalaka and aspire to be like them one day 15 year old Ira Patel a migrant girl who started playing cricket when she was 12 is one of them Well, my dream would definitely be to be an international cricketer, play for Australia or India. I love both my countries. I would love to play for India as well, but currently I'm in Australia, so I guess I will be playing for Australia if I do get up there. That dream is one step closer for 20-year-old Huna Verma, another migrant from India. He was recently contracted as a rookie player to the New South Wales Blues. It's interesting to hear from this right-arm fast bowler how he got there like most cricketers actually I fell in love with cricket in the backyard cricket started to come like a really really enjoyable for me I started taking wickets in club cricket and then was selected in reps cricket and then I started taking wickets there and I was really enjoying it it got to the point where I was in the under 13 selections for New South Wales cricket like the New South Wales squad come around under 15 season this is probably the point where my cricketing life completely changed and then from that under 15 to where I am now However, Huna's father, Navneet Verma, who chose Australia over Canada because of his passion for cricket, says it was not an easy journey as a migrant family. As a sportsman ko kisi bacche ko aage leke jana kisi bhi country mein It is challenging to take your child further as a sportsman in any country, but it is more challenging when you migrate to a new country and a new culture. You face some additional challenges. There have been many challenges for us like the challenges from the society challenges of life and the challenges of your child's education to go through all that you have to put your heart and soul into it and keep going and going until you achieve it I guess I got pretty lucky I feel like my mom's very traditionally Indian and that she wanted to ensure that my studies were were going well at any cost like even at the cost of my cricket but this is when I just got into Sydney boys um which is one of the more prestigious high schools in New South Wales and so I was doing a lot of studying um but 
luckily, like my dad kept my career going on the side. Study में बहुत अच्छा था and हमने दोनों का. He was very good in his studies, so we kept a balance between the two. He had only 24 hours. His mom had dreams about him, and so did I. So what I did, I downsized my work. So I become self-employed like uh, four years back. So what what that helped me that I can commute him. Even I drive him to Caliville to city. Almost every day or second day depend on his workload in sports and uh, study. So, and he was sleeping on the way back or going to city. I told him we did not need to worry too much about his studies. Even during his year 12, he did not miss cricket. Even when he had an exam on Monday, he was playing on Saturday and Sunday. The car and then he study late hours. Despite my mum's like best protest, like I just kept playing cricket even through year 12. Every aspiring kid is not as lucky as Huna. For most South Asian families, academics is of utmost importance. We want our kids to study well and get good grades and get a good job. That is a dream we carry from our homelands to wherever we migrate to. Like a lot of my friends who I'd grown up playing cricket with, they actually um stopped playing cricket in year 12 because their families are focusing like uh, forcing them to focus on cricket. Yeah, I do know a lot of um Indian people that had to stop playing cricket and now they like I talk to them and they're like oh I shouldn't have stopped playing cricket I regret it so much because it's put them that much far behind everyone else Many other cricketers and experts that we spoke to agree to that a number of promising cricketers from south asian background stop playing cricket when they reach year 11 or 12 and they focus more on studies and that is the most important period for a budding cricketer in australia fast bowler of indian origin gurinder sandhu has represented australia in the national team and shares that same view as you mentioned having subcontinent parents you know studying is a, is a really big thing you either become a doctor an engineer or an accountant i found from teams that i was playing in players who were i guess a lot better than me at the time stopped playing cricket for a couple of years because of studies you tend to 11 12 because their parents were like not you can't play cricket you got to make sure you're studying during those years and I think you you learn develop your most in terms of cricket skills but not only cricket skills you know you're developing as a teenager you know it might be 15 16 17 18 around that sort of age you learning your game in cricket you start to understand a few things start to play um, against some older people and, and things like that so I think those guys didn't play for a few years and then tried to come back and play again and it just wasn't the same I'm having missed those sort of two or three crucial years there I think so and this is a viewpoint shared by Lisa Starlicker as well i think it's always been a juggling act hasn't it for families that have immigrated out to australia they want to create a better life for their kids sport has not been one where you can earn money from only now recently so you know i think that will change sport has always been seen as a hobby hasn't it your your academic studies has been important is that the only challenge facing a migrant family no Many parents say moving to a new country looking for a better life and raising kids without the support of extended family is a hard task and that makes a big difference when you are in a new country and you have to manage everything setting priorities in your day-to-day life becomes very important cricket being a long format game takes a huge amount of time energy and money to get the kids focused and involved And this is what Hunar Varma's family had to sacrifice to make it happen. It's very hard for Indian migrant because they are living in a we are living in a society 
like your friend have one house or have a second house or they have a growth in business or your practice is growing where i was downsized twice in last 7 years because of oh, i don't want to do that i don't want to be a accountant accountant you know i just want to have a bread and butter for this but i want to live my passion so my passion was a cricket you know so i live away from society four year we leave all the friends you know my wife was not happy you know she said every people is enjoying putting faces photos on facebook where we are on friday night because there's a game on saturday there's sunday i'm driving owner to newcastle so we dedicated our life for our children just to live that dream and live away from what our normal indian society live and we live with our children like i spend only 4 hours in office i can work in the late night when they are sleeping or early morning you know that's all things i am doing with no holidays no social circle much just we are living a cricket how many of us do that downsizing working less earning less and spending more time to help your kids sporting activities cricket writers journalists and administrators also agree dr harihari nath was the chairman of cricket new south wales after migrating from india more than 40 years ago dr harinath grew within the ranks of cricket administration in australia and was the first person from a non anglo background to become a member of the board of cricket australia he shares the same view about migrant families priorities even though i came 50 years i still think education is the most important thing i'm telling you the truth right and i'm sure every indian parent they too they don't come out on saturday right they because they got to have a language school now to go they got to do the homework they got to play the school sport you, you know i got four grandkids and i see my oh, daughter's family and my son's family how they take people from one and two children to school and sports and this to do and i i think it'll take a generation to come say that okay there is something else than education we should give importance that is sport we also spoke to jared kimber an australian sports journalist and cricket writer he throws light on another aspect as well it is the barrier created by cultural differences in the cricket field it is true that you have to deal with cultural differences everywhere in every aspect of life in an immigrant country like australia but mr kimber says that how far these differences affect your sense of belonging could be a major issue on a sporting field i think it's probably more to do with the fact that the majority of australian cricket culture is a drinking culture it's a boys culture it's quite a brutal culture in some ways i think you can see this in south african cricket i think you can see this in english cricket i think you'd see it probably in new zealand cricket at a certain point as well that the outsider doesn't feel particularly at home they feel like they're constantly an outsider and if that's the case i think a lot of people disappear from the system and it's probably seen as a weakness of these people rather than a weakness of the system and in truth if you aren't setting up a pathway system where the players involved from any background can make it to your professional level then the problem is with the system it's not with the people Do you know Prithi that there was a academic paper on the subject we are discussing an academic paper on cultural barriers about the migrant participation in Australian cricket and why they are missing out it was a phd thesis done by researcher david utting at the university of the sunshine coast some years ago i have spoken to him about the findings and cultural barriers came as a prominent subject 
in my studies, I, I asked that very question, why might that be? Was it because Cricket Australia and Australian cricket generally was not very conducive to migrant cricketers joining the Australian teams and the Australian game? Or was it just that subcontinental players chose not to participate? And I found possibly there were a couple of different answers to the question. One was perhaps the way the Australians play the game and how they socialise before, after, during the game doesn't suit many migrant cricketers. On the other hand, also migrant cricketers, I think in some cases or many cases, tended to prefer the company and the camaraderie of their own culture within their own cultural area. Another cricket expert we spoke to is Patrick Skeen. He's a writer and advised us on the production of this podcast series. Patrick has been following Australian cricket for decades now and he always felt that discrimination and bias, conscious and unconscious, hamper the pathway of many young migrant players. Rightly or wrongly, they feel that sometimes statistics are overlooked in selection and when, when you feel you should be selected and you've done enough to get the selector's attention and someone is picked, selectors have their own sometimes non-statistical reasons to pick. But we also know from the recruitment industry that there's a concept called affinity bias, that we hire people in our own likeness. We hire someone where we see a bit of ourselves in their journey and we want them to win. We don't even know they're doing it. If it's unconscious bias, you don't even know you're doing it. And so the recruiters or people that hired in their own image, it's a natural human tendency. So I don't think that's racist. You would say Glenn Maxwell got treated the same as Usman Khawaja, where other players were given multiple, multiple chances to fail. But as Harry Solomon's famous Sri Lankan cricket manufacturer said so beautifully, Usman always batted like he had a noose around his neck. He was never given those five or ten tests to make mistakes. He was always under the pump. And Kevin Peterson called Usman Khawaja the once-in-a-generation talent for Australian cricket that has been squandered. The same happened to Glenn Maxwell. So it's not just race. Glenn Maxwell was different. He's, he, he didn't fit the Australian way, as Matthew Hayden likes to call it. I don't like the talk that there's an Australian way. Because we're going to have players coming through with full sleeve tattoos very soon. We're going to have you know, hardcore Muslims coming through that don't want alcohol advertising. They don't want to be around gambling. You have to be inclusive and you have to allow for everybody outside your personal tastes. Have you noticed that Usman Khawaja comes up as an example whenever we speak of bias or discrimination in the selection process? Yes, Preeti. I guess it is because we see the talent he has and the opportunities that he may have missed. The experts we spoke to highlight the fact that many other players were able to continue in the national team even after failing to perform well. But Kawaja had to prove himself each and every time he was selected. It was outrage across the cricket community that Usman Kawaja wasn't selected because Usman was having a great summer. He was on top of the runs in Sheffield Shield. If we were in a blind recruitment situation, Usman would have been in that first test team. But biases come in. We all have them. They need to be acknowledged and they need to be met and then there needs to be oversight. And he has proven himself again in the recent tour to his country of birth, Pakistan. He scored two centuries and two 90s in the three-match series. Was he really a victim of unconscious bias that Patrick mentioned? There are other cricketers who felt so. 
Arjun Naya is a former member of the Australian Under-19s team who also played with Kawaja at Sydney Thunder. He believes unconscious bias is a possibility. The selectors obviously don't think, oh, he's Brahmin or Pekin, nothing like that. But when it comes to 50-50 choice, they're like, oh, you know, he might be like just better fit for the team. Like, just naturally they might think. It might happen, like, there's obviously no evidence of that or whatnot. But, yeah, definitely I think that that could be a case, especially when there's a tight call between two players for one spot. I think Usman Quadras is a good example as well. Like, he's already performing really well right now. I always felt like small reason and he's always scapegoat like it might not be true like I won't be wrong but it's just how I feel and how when I look at things from the outside Sanjayan we should not forget the fact that Usman Khawaja was the first ever Muslim to reach the Australian national cricket team that too would have brought more challenges let's hear from Khawaja on how he faced these cultural barriers he says that even when there were barriers due to his color and ethnicity sport helped him break down those barriers And that's why I love cricket. You don't have to speak the language, you just play the game. I played cricket, I played football here, which is very popular in Australia, rugby league. I played tennis, golf. I think sport always broke down those barriers. Yeah, it was tough at times going up through the ranks. I did stand out. I was Pakistani, I was a brown-skinned boy in a very white sort of country, if you could say that, which was good and bad. If I did something good, I stand out, but if I, you know, things didn't work out, I'd also yeah, I'll also stick out. It was tough at times because I did stand out for that reason. At times, I felt a bit on the outside growing up. But I had two older brothers, and they weren't easy on me. They were very hard on me, so they gave me really thick skin. It took a lot for me to be beaten down because um, they used to beat me down themselves. So they made me very tough. I had to fight for everything when I was younger. That's what. So whenever there were setbacks, if people sledged me, if there, I grew up and I had pl- plenty of racial uh, racial vilification and things against me, but it never. never hindered me because i never got any sympathy or excuses from my brothers or my family because of that i was very thick skinned i was very competitive and it took a lot for me to to be knocked down isn't that a great story your brothers are tough on you and you use this to become more resilient just like he is on the pitch however Gurinder Sandhu and Arjun Nair agree to the fact that the situation is changing and cricket is becoming more inclusive in Australia. They themselves are the next generation. They are not facing the same kind of issues that Usman Khawaja faced in the 90s. Well, for me, it wasn't actually that bad because I think a different era to when Usman started playing. So I think my era, my local team when I was like 13 or 14 had basically everyone was from a different subcontinent background. we had other couple of indian people you know we had a few pakistanis and then even we had like a couple of afghanistani boys couple of sri lankans so there was there was a lot going on in my era when i grew up so i think things were definitely already on the verge or changing toward cricket being a sport for all so i think that's probably one difference between to you spoken to usman and the way he's grown up around cricket and in australia compared to to myself and i think there's a eight year gap between our ages so i think that eight years has, has changed a lot in terms of Australia being a multicultural country and also cricket. And all these players agree that there are much clearer pathways now and Cricket Australia is taking steps to be more and more inclusive. Lisa Stalicker also points out that Cricket Australia is already taking steps to make it easier. So I think Cricket Australia and the state bodies have been working extremely hard to ensure that they create an inclusive environment for all cultures, religions, age, size, gender. 
I think all of those stepping stones that they've done will be really important. And I'd like to think that we're going to see more subcontinent players coming through the ranks. Colours of cricket. We just mentioned the pathways. When we speak to players, administrators and writers, we should not forget the people who take the youngsters through those pathways. You mean the coaches? The coaches and the community clubs. It's important to get their perspective as well, isn't it? Absolutely. And there are hundreds of small clubs around the country run by South Asian migrants, in addition to the clubs that participate in pathways created by Cricket Australia. Nepal is a South Asian country that doesn't match the cricketing superpower of its southern neighbours. However, the number of Nepali clubs and youngsters who strike to take the game on in Australia is inspiring. Ram Shrestha, who emigrated to Tasmania from Nepal, is the president of Launceston Cricket Club. We started our club only for social bonding. The cricket now provides a new identity for us in northern Tasmania. Cricket is getting popular within our community. But the club also has gone strength to strength for the last few years and now we play in Tasmania Cricket League. It's really amazing to see that more migrants are getting interested in cricket and getting the opportunity. We have spoken to Ganesh Mailwaganam, a Sri Lankan-born cricketer and coach in Sydney. Ganesh played three games in the 1996 World Cup for the United Arab Emirates before coming to Australia. He gives a new perspective to where the kids from local clubs are missing out. I blame the parents. We as some kind of parents expect every boy to be Tenduka or Sangakar to the matter. But we got to set up a clear expectation about your kid. We should teach them the right thing from the beginning. As parents, the structure in uh, Australia is the parents do volunteer as coaches and they do volunteer as administrators, but there's always a hidden agenda among a lot of them. They always promote their own kids. They don't take much at, uh, interest in developing the whole team together. I, I would say that's one of the drawbacks for Asian parents. There could be different perspectives and that is quite normal. It's important to know what Cricket Australia, the national administrative body of the game in Australia, thinks about all these issues we've discussed. Melanie Jones is a former Australian player and is a director of the Cricket Australia board. She says Cricket Australia is taking many steps, but more could be done. When you look at the timeline of things, I think we've shifted things not to our liking, probably not, but still we have shifted the dial in this last space of time. So I I think from a Cricket Australia perspective, it's really making sure that we work with our states and territories on the pathway systems that they have. Australia is a very large country just geographically, so there is nuances between each of the states and territories on the people within their, their system as well. So it's working closely with them it's leadership I think you know it definitely comes from the top so we've got to make sure that within our coaching pathways and selection and players that you know we've got our vision of being you know a sport for all and we can't just have that written on a on a glossy piece of paper somewhere and popped it away in a a desk for the next five years strategic cycle it's got to be front of mind all the time I think as much as we talk about players coming through the system, I'm a really big advocate for coaches coming through the system too because the more coaches we have from diverse communities, then 
there's a set of eyes, a different lens on on training, on selection, and the like more people from diverse cultures on selection committees, and then they can start to pick up these nuances as we're going along to make sure that we don't have these unconscious biases within selection. We don't like cricket, but we love it. Cricket needs sportsmanship, teamwork, and cooperation. It is also a lot of fun. We are listening to Colors of Cricket. Huna Verma's fitness coach Kevin Chevel, who was the fitness coach of Glenn McGrath, shares a very positive note about the future of Indian subcontinent cricketers in Australia. He believes the colors of Australian cricket are definitely changing now. I do believe that in the future, boys from the subcontinent will make it to the top in Australian cricket. I see it unfolding right before my eyes. I actually get to currently work with some very, very talented young cricketers, Indian boys. Skill-wise, they're as good as anybody. Young fellows like Huna Verma, you know, Harjaz Singh, Arnav Raina, Parama Pal, who's just had a rookie contract and has gone to Tasmania. There's others. And they're all making their way through the grades with outstanding performances. So it's not far away. In fact, that optimism is shared by many others we spoke to as well. For example, Malcolm Gray, the former president of the International Cricket Council and the former chairman of the Australian Cricket Board, says he expects more players like Usman Kawaja to be coming through very soon. I suppose you could ask the question, will they become the face of uh, the Australian population? I, I think it's just as simple or as equal as that. And obviously the face of Australia has in the last 10 or 20 years and is now changing dramatically. So yes, even now, look at Kawaja. Lisa Staliker goes one step further. She believes that the subcontinent players are not just coming up, but are going to play a big role in Australian cricket in the future. The pathways in elite cricket, you know, I think subcontinent players will play a big role. We've seen Tanvir Sanger, Jason Sanger come through Sydney Thunder ranks. There's a lot of talk about Tanvir going on and, and playing for Australia. Obviously, we saw Jason captain the under-19 side in New Zealand a few years ago. So, you know, those players will be important. I think subcontinent players play a little bit different than Australians. You know, I used to get told I play like an Indian, yet I've learned all of my cricket here in Australia. Um, but there is something probably genetically in me that allows me to work the ball a little bit squarer. I don't know. So uh, I think um, they'll be important for the game moving forward, especially when, you know, you're travelling overseas and playing in overseas conditions. If you've got players that understand, read the conditions, play spin well, um, subcontinent players will be very important. If you're a youngster or a parent from a South Asian migrant community, you might be thinking about how to approach the game and how to rise through the ranks. To wrap up this episode, let's hear from Dr. Hari Harinath, one of the most senior cricket administrators in the country. My only advice to the youngsters who come in and the parent of youngsters is don't expect miracles to happen, right? Work hard, be a part of the club, which you join, right? And do what they do and do better than what they do. You've been listening to Colors of Cricket, a podcast by SBS. Our production lead is Deju Shivadas. And the series producers are Sahil Makar, Avas Parajuli, Matsal Patel, Preeti Jabal and me, Kulasegram Sanchayan. 
with input from the nine South Asian language programs at SBS and external advisor Patrick Skeen. For more information, head to sbs.com.au slash colors of cricket.